It's a Wednesday on Scoops with DannyMac.com, and that means we talk it over with Brian Walton of TheCardinalNation.com. Lots to get into concerning the St. Louis Cardinals. Scott Rowland falls just a bit short of the Hall of Fame, but it doesn't look like it's going to be too far away for him to get in. David Ortiz does go to Cooperstown. We'll get into that, and some big names left off the ballot, and now they're done. They're done off the ballot, and it's going to have to take a – special committee for them to get in and we'll talk it over with Brian Walton also some changes maybe in the game of baseball coming up that we have learned from minor league baseball that we can look forward to in 2022 with major league baseball we are brought to you by stratum structural systems if you have a leaky basement cracked walls issues with windows think stratum structural systems also, new sponsor to Scoops with Danny Mack. I'm so excited about this, Rottler Pest Control. And the good folks at Rottler, they have decided to join us. They're the most trusted family-owned pest control company in the region. Right now, they are hiring, and that uh, pay range is from $18 to $23 an hour. And now through the end of February... They are offering a $1,000 signing bonus, $1,000 referral bonus. Spring is on the horizon, and that means that you need to be thinking about that pest control right now. So free inspection, $35 off initial service program, and they have services for residential or commercial properties. That's pest solutions, mole and lawn, rodent solutions, bird control, wildlife solutions, rodent solutions, mosquito solutions in the summer, termite solutions. So think Rottler and their number is 877-ROTLER or rottler.com. And thank you very much to Rottler Pest Control. Let's bring in Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Lots to get into, as I mentioned. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here talking about baseball. Although I wish we could talk more about the, what's on the field rather than what's off, but we're going to have to be uh, happy with uh, dealing with off-season news for a while longer, it appears. Yeah, you know, but it does sound like there's a little movement with the CBA, and I guess that's, uh, that's progress, so I'll, I'll take that as a win. Well, I guess yes, but I'm still pessimistic about the whole matter. You know, Dan, they've known for months and years that this deadline was coming, and they waited 55 days after the December 1 lockout to sit down at the table and get serious about exchanging ideas. And yeah, it's great. They sat down on day 55, but shame on them for not starting, you know, before the deadline even came getting serious about this. And now the talk is, well, the owners are prepared to give up regular season games if they have to. And that's just a shame. It didn't have to be this way, but that's the way it's, it's rolled out. We've seen the committees already put in some of the hall of famers or will put in some of the hall of famers, which includes Jim Cott this summer, but then, uh, the vote by the uh, Baseball Writers Association of America came out last night. The only guy getting in, David Ortiz. It kind of, to me, it opens up another can of worms, but Ortiz gets in. Let's start with that. What do you think? Well, the whole Hall of Fame process, you know, a lot of people are critical of the writers, the baseball writers, and there's a lot of voters I don't agree with, but they have a very difficult task, and that is they have to determine, you know, which players are eligible and which players aren't because. Uh, any players, whether they've been suspended or they've been convicted or they've been anything, they, they still get put on the ballot. And the only exception, of course, is Pete Rose, who was banned from the game because of his, his gambling issues. But so Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, Sammy Sosa, the, the four guys that fell off after, after 10 years, they continued to suck up votes, even though a majority of the writers didn't feel that they were deserving of going in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, the, 
the problem is really up front in the process by not more clearly defining who's eligible and who's not and leaving it to the riders to try to figure it out. And there's never, ever going to be, you know, full consensus. But David Ortiz, there was a rumor that he failed, uh, had a failed test in 2003 on a, an early um, drug testing agreement between the owners and players that those results would be destroyed and never made public. But somehow they did get made public. So, you know, he was kind of in this gray area. And then, of course, he's also in the gray area being a designated hitter. So he was only half a player in the minds of some. My take is it's a Hall of Fame. David Ortiz was famous when the stage was the biggest. He stepped up and played well. And he's in the Hall of Fame, and God bless him. I think he's a good choice. Do you think, though, that it opens up uh, a can of worms potentially for the guys that also – um, you know, have been rumored to to have done steroids, which is, you know, the Bonds, the Clemens, and, and so on and so forth, to where they come up again on a veterans committee or whatever committee could be out there, and they say, hey, Ortiz is in. we we got to put this guy in, too. Yeah, but this isn't new, Dan. What about, what about Bagwell? What about um, um, Mike uh, Piazza? I mean, there have been guys who have had suspicion of, of Peds. There's going to be more of them coming. When Albert comes up, now Albert will get in the Hall of Fame, but there was, you know, there were rumors about Albert. There's rumors about all these players that played in this era. And, you know, again, the, the Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, Sosa, now they're all going to be on Veterans Committee ballots, and, and folks are going to have to decide they're going to have to wait some number of years to get in. But, you know, if Barry Bonds made the Hall of Fame someday, it wouldn't break my heart. I mean, it's a Hall of Fame. It, and, and, again, the rules are not clear about who should be in and who should be out. Uh, Barry Bonds is one of the most famous players in the game. Before he took steroids, he was an exceptional player. And it's too bad that some of these guys apparently went off in that direction. But it was a, a, an indication of the times of the game at that time. If Bud Selig and the owners would have stepped up and really – you know, forced the, the players to deal with this issue of drugs, we wouldn't be in this mess, but that's the way history happened. I would say then Scott Rowland is next. I, I would look at uh, the way that his trajectory is moving, that uh, next year, very good chance to get in. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. Scott Rowland went from something like 52 or 53%, you know, up to, you know, approaching 70%. And, and I think, yeah, Scott Rowland, especially, as I said, with these four guys off the ballot, because, uh, you know, Schilling and Bonds and Clemens and like, we're, we're getting a lot of votes. And, the, yeah, there's some new guys coming on next year. But I think, yeah, I think 2023 is going to be Scott Rowland's year. And I think we've seen over the last few years the writers have been able to really step back and look at his career and say, yeah, Scott Rowland is a Hall of Fame third baseman, a position that if you look across the history of the game has been uh, really short-sighted in terms of – or short-shrifted in terms of how much representation third base has, has had. And I, I don't think there's any doubt Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, and it'll be great to see him inducted. I think there's only 17 maybe third basemen in the Hall of Fame. Does that sound right? Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's just amazing, the, the great players. And, of course, Cardinals fans who are a little older <clears throat> remember Ken Boyer, and he's another one. Um, that, you know, is still on the outside looking in, amazingly hasn't gotten in on a veterans committee. There are a lot of guys like Ken Boyer over the history of the game that you'd say, you know, if that guy would have been a shortstop or a second baseman or a, a catcher, you know, they'd probably be in. So, you know, I, Scott Rowland is a, you know, is a, is, was an excellent player. Cer certainly his career was limited some later on due to injury, but I mean, he's a hall of fame player. Yeah. I mean, I, I was doing some research on this not too long ago. I, I, if memory serves correct, it's 17 third baseman. And I think seven got in with the special committees and I uh, tweeted this last night, but there's two third basemen that have 300 plus home runs and at least eight gold gloves, Scott Rowland and Mike Schmidt. And then if you want to get into the analytics of it, he's he's an analytics darling because of his defense. So when you get a, a newer voter, meaning a younger voter that maybe is leaning more towards that look at baseball, um, to me, it's it's a slam dunk. 
you know, Scott Rowland is headed to the Hall of Fame. And a lot of third basemen, you know, aren't the acrobatic shortstops of uh, Ozzie Smith. I mean, you could you could describe Ozzie Smith, there, but but of course, Scott Rowland was a better offensive player than Ozzie Smith. And I'm not saying that he's he was as good as at third as Ozzie was at short, but but he was an exceptionally strong defensive third baseman. But they don't, you know, they don't necessarily make all the acrobatic plays like shortstops do. And you know, a, a defense. Uh, a strong defensive player, I believe that that should fit in the Hall of Fame criteria. And that's some of the reason that, you know, people were a little concerned about David Ortiz because, you know, he didn't play in the field. But again, if you don't want to include designated hitters in the Hall of Fame, then get rid of the designated hitter because they're a legitimate player, they're legitimate on the field, and they need to be considered within the merits of, of the job that they were asked to do. Because we care, your trusted source for basement repair Basement waterproofing, foundation repair, concrete leveling, egress windows. It's all done with Stratum Structural Systems. Something's broke in your house, they fix it. And it's always done with a five-star review. It's Stratum Structural Systems. Because we care, your trusted source for basement repair. It's Stratum. I've had so many people ask me, Brian, I'm curious your opinion on this, and Brian Walton covers Major League Baseball as well as a special emphasis, obviously, with his website, thecardinalnation.com, on the minors. But people say, well, how long do you think it's going to take for these these players to get ready for uh, you know, the season? And uh, to me, spring training is always about the pitchers, especially now. Um, and, and I say that not – with making that a just a, a solid statement and saying, well, it's only about the pitchers, meaning that they have to build up. Of course, it's about uh, position players and getting timing and that kind of thing too. But they they swing, they're they're in great shape for the most part and come in ready to go. So I, I would say you could probably have March first, maybe March second, and still get the regular season off. Uh, maybe you add a player or two initially. Uh, to protect yourself and make sure that you have games, but I'm thinking it maybe it's a like a three week spring training is probably the the max uh, that you could push this thing to. What what do you think? Yeah, let's talk about that March one date, Dan, because I think that's a very good date. Now, you know, folks probably remember that opening day is is March 31st. So if you if you were somehow to come to an agreement on March 1st, you've got two components. One is spring training, which you mentioned. Two to three weeks is is reasonable for that. But you've got to have at least a couple weeks to finish the offseason. Players haven't gone through arbitration. There's dozens of free agents that aren't signed. There's a bunch of business, the Rule 5 draft, if they're going to hold it. There's a bunch of business of baseball things that have to happen after there's an agreement. And I'm not talking about just an agreement in words, but it's agreement on paper because there's issues of free agency and, and arbitration and all that stuff that are going to play into how teams decide which players to sign. So, you know, I think you're right. I think the latest you could make opening day work is March 1st. And even that, there would have to be an awful lot of stuff jammed into uh, those few days in in the month of March. In terms of what you have seen in the minor leagues, and last year was kind of a testing ground for some of the rules and differences uh, from Major League Baseball, what do you think needs to be implemented to make this a better product with Major League Baseball? And and to me, if they would enforce the pitch clock, I don't necessarily think it's a great thing, but if we have to do it, we got to do it. But I think that's one way to, to help this game and to get more action and more speed into the game. Yeah, I do too, Dan. I think the pitch clock, I, don't, I haven't really seen anybody um, of substance complain about the pitch clock. And what's happened in the minor leagues, it first started in the Arizona Fall League, then in the lower minors, and it sort of becomes then a, a thing of habit. You know, the pitchers just know they have to get the ball and get ready, and there's not a lot of walking off the back of the mound and, you know, all the things that, that – 
elongate games and, and make the game less less exciting to watch. Uh, I think we're going to, you know, automated balls and strikes is now moving to a number of the AAA ballparks in 2021. And I think it's only a matter of time until we see that. And again, I'm not necessarily disturbed by that. I think it's, again, an, an admission of the changing times that we're, we're seeing. And it doesn't take away the fact that the home plate umpire is still controlling the game. But, you know, help calling balls and strikes, I think, can make the games play more crisply as well. Um, the, the increased size of the bags, that's okay. Uh, shifting, kind of the, the jury's still out on that, but there's, you know, a, a fair, you know, number of people who agree that maybe keeping two infielders on each side of the second base bag is a good thing. That still has to be worked out, but that's been tried in the minor leagues as well. And again, the idea there is to help offense create more offense. I'm going to ask you this about the CBA too. Uh, 40-man <laughs> roster guys, and some of these guys have never made it to the major leagues, are... Uh, impacted by what's happening right now. So what's the trickle-down effect that that could have on some of the minor league rosters and what we see if uh, uh, you know the lockout is still taking place? Yeah, I've got a detailed article about that, uh, both in the context of baseball in a whole, but also the St. Louis Cardinals, and that's for members of the Cardinal Nation. And the essence of the problem is that the 40-man roster includes a number of young players who have not got major league experience yet and aren't realistically going to make the 26-man roster at the beginning of camp. But those 40-man rosters are lo- those 40-man players are locked out. So we're talking about guys like Brendan Donovan, Freddie Pacheco, Jake Walsh, guys who just got added to the 40-man roster, and they won't be able to report to camp. So in a normal world, you'd say, gee, you just send those guys over to minor league camp, no big deal. Yeah, they would miss the experience of being in big league camp, but you can't do that because they're locked out. And there's some other guys who um, folks would want to see get experience. The Cardinals would want to see get experience. I'm talking about uh, a player like Ivan Herrera, uh, the catcher who's the heir apparent to Yadier Molina. Herrera's on the 40-man roster, but he has to stay home in Panama because he can't come in because he's locked out. So um, Ali Sanchez, the third-string catcher. Um, so there, you know, there are guys who – you'd like to see in camp, but they can't go to either camp. They can't go to minor league camp and they can't go to major league camp. And I guarantee you that, you know, the folks who are worried about the, the issues of money and service time and free agency aren't thinking about these young players. Now I want to be clear though, that most of the top Cardinals prospects, and here I'm talking about guys like Gorman, Walker, Libertor, Zach Thompson, they're not on the 40 man. So they'll be able to report to minor league camp on time, but they won't get the benefit of being in big league camp likely because big league camp is going to be shorter. We, we already talked about that. That's probably going to be shorter. And so the focus in big league camp is going to be on getting the major leaguers, the at-bats and the innings they need in a short period of time to get ready for the regular season. So again, because of this labor issue at the major league level, it hurts some of the minor leaguers that you'd most like to see get time in spring camp. I mean, wouldn't it be great to see Jordan Walker in big league camp and see what he can do this spring? But the longer this lockout continues, the less likely that's going to happen. Rottler Pest Control, the most trusted family-owned pest control company in the region, and they're hiring right now. Rottler is offering a $1,000 signing bonus, $1,000 referral bonus. We know spring is on the horizon, and treatments are recommended to start right now. The experts at Rottler stay ahead of the pest before they arrive free inspection, and $35 off initial service program. Rottler has services for residential or commercial properties. 877-ROTTLER or rottler.com. Hey, Brian, what else are you working on at thecardinalnation.com? Well, we're continuing to roll down the top 50 prospects. 
um, of the year. We're, we're at number 15 now. You can read about Malcolm Nunez, a third baseman, who's got a lot of promise, but third baseman is a crowded position in the system. So, you know, what's going to happen with him? Uh, we've got some changes ma- being made to the international program, a number of players released. We've got a new series on the history of the Cardinals' best lineups by state, and we started with Texas. So a lot of information uh, about uh, what's going on. Even though there's no baseball, we have new content at the Cardinal Nation every day, and we'll continue that. Uh, indefinitely. Yeah, it's great stuff. TheCardinalNation.com. Thanks, Brian. We'll catch up uh, next Wednesday. Take care, Dan.